inappropriate that the chick was a fatty. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, welcome to the Red Pill Generation. I am your co-host, Tess. It's been a while, and I'm sitting in an unfamiliar, or, well, it's becoming more familiar, but a new new location, which we'll talk more about. And I'm joined today with my other co-host. Kirkley Mocha Bitches, coming from, coming live from Zambia. It's been a while since I was here as well, like, it's been at least four years. Yeah, you know, Tess is in is in Hong Kong. It yeah, you know, you just you just you just ruined it. I was uh, trying to leave some suspense, Why? and you know, leave some suspense uh, for you. Fuck suspense. Uh, <laughs> fuck fucking suspense. You have to let them know, son. You no, you fucking know. fucking breaking well, my balls here. The last time, last time we were in Toronto. Last time we were in, I was in Guangzhou. Now you're in Hong Kong, I'm in Zambia, just to know how international we are. Yeah, that's right? how we run that shit, running that's around. <laughs> as uh, as you would say, world. fucking fucking bitches getting money all over the world. Yeah. Yeah. Right, can you still hear me? Yeah, yeah, you're still good. But uh, yeah, so we're calling right. this so, episode uh, First Impressions, because as Mocha mentioned, he hasn't been to Zambia in about four years, and he was talking about how there's been a lot of development, it's almost like a new country to him, and I'm in Asia for the first time ever in my life. Um, I've been in Hong Kong for the past two days, and there was a huge culture shock, and already a lot of stuff has happened, so we're going to talk about uh, both of our experiences in these countries. Yeah. Um, first impressions. Yeah, the interesting thing for me, just starting off with Zambia, is that having not been here for four years, and I'm not really like the most, I guess I'm not the most patriotic Zambian person ever. Like, I've been living in Canada for the most, if not all, in fact, all of my adulthood and part of my teen years. So it's like, that feels like more, feels more like home to me. And I really embraced Canadian culture. So I kind of just am a little bit disillusioned with Zambia. And my ideas of the way that this place were are, you know, it's I've been completely just re, um, reinvented. My ideas of the way this place were completely reinvented. So, for example, <clears throat> the first thing I was telling Tess just before we got onto the podcast is, you know, when I would come to Zambia before, if you got off the plane, there would be maybe 20, 30 tourists or visitors and, you know, like 200 Zambians coming into the country. Now, when I got off the plane, it was the opposite. It was about 30 Zambians coming into the country and then like 200 tourists, which was fucking crazy for me. I was like, wow, that's just a little bit, it was a culture shock for me. You know, the idea that there's more people, more foreign people coming into the country on a daily basis now than there are actual Zambians. So that's what's one of the first things, and then of course, the the amount of development in the country as well is kind of insane. Um, it's for a couple of different reasons. Before, the development came mostly from uh, the British because we were a British colony. So, like we had a lot of British nationals who were kind of left over from the original uh, 
the original British government that was controlling the country. And these were the guys who were bringing investments in, and like there was a heavy British influence in Zambia. But in recent times, there's been less, there are less British nationals here. And the ones that are remaining are pretty much just Zambians. Like they've, most of them were born here, or they've, or they've been living here for 40, 50 years. The new investments are coming from mainly China, interestingly enough. Um, and then also Canada and Australia and South Africa. Like there's a couple Canadian and Australian mines in, in Zambia. And then in the, the Chinese are literally coming here. Uh, a lot of them are coming, are migrant workers. They came here from small towns in China. They had nothing going on. They were factory workers. They were, you know, poor farmers in a village. And then they decide to come to Africa, specifically uh, Zambia. And they start off doing the same kind of jobs. They start off doing construction. They start off, you know, just simple farm work or, you know, just simple, like, manual labor. And over time, because they have connections in China and they have sort of this ingenuity, ingenuity and they work really hard, they're becoming wealthy. They're starting uh, construction companies. Uh, they're starting uh, mainly construction companies. They're starting. Uh, they have restaurants. They have, you know, bars. They have. Uh, they're, they're building shopping malls. It's so crazy. So in the past four years, we went from in Lusaka. We went from about two main shopping malls, three main shopping malls, to about. I think it's seven now, and they're building more. They're just building a ton of shopping centers, and it's it's branching out to the rest of the country. I can't really speak too much on the other cities because I, I don't really go there and haven't been there since I've been here. But I've I've heard stories about it, and but in Lusaka itself, I've seen you know like in the past four years they built like five shopping malls, and the amount of you know the amount of bars, restaurants, lounges, clubs that have, have been built as well. The, you know the amount of uh, uh, houses, like modern houses, and and just the, the infrastructure that's being developed is all being done mainly by the Chinese. It's mainly by the Chinese, so it's it's kind of it's kind of fascinating. They even have they just opened up an uh, international school of international Chinese school, international Chinese school, yeah. They just opened up International Chinese School because there's so many. There are so many Chinese people coming here that they wanted their kids to go and learn sort of like the Chinese curriculum. So they had to they actually had to open up an international school for Chinese students. So China is pretty much taking over Zambia, is what you're saying? China is taking over Africa, man. It's <laughs> not just Zambia. China's taking over Africa. China's taking over the world. I was about to say, yeah, China's taking over the world. China is like fucking everywhere. Yeah, China is. There's, there's like no, there's no country you can go to in this planet and not find a Chinese person. Like I could go to Fiji, and I guarantee I won't find a Zambian dude. <laughs> but like I'm sure, I'm hundred percent sure there'll be a Chinese dude there. I could bet my life on it. Yeah, well, there's Chinese people, but there's also obviously Chinese products everywhere too. Like you don't even have to look too too hard to find tons of Chinese stuff everywhere in U.S. and Canada. I.e., pretty much everything we have is from China. Yeah, literally the MacBook that you're recording this podcast on and my iPhone that I'm recording this podcast on says designed in California, manufactured in China. 
Yep. Yeah. And uh, specifically, specifically, it's um, it's in and around the Guangzhou, Guangdong area, Guangdong province, Guangzhou city. Like ninety percent of the world's products are manufactured in and around Guangzhou. So the surrounding cities like Foshan, Shenzhen, these places. And uh, but the interesting thing is, you know, the, uh, Guangzhou, Foshan, Shenzhen. These are cities that are developing or developed. The the Chinese people that you meet here, like I, I pulled a prank on not a prank, but I, I I I wanted to fuck with the Chinese dudes here. So I went to a Chinese restaurant. It's literally called Zhongguo Restaurant, which means Chinese restaurant. Like <laughs> <laughs> Chinese restaurant like in China, really wow, really good. But like obviously. If, yeah, Zhongguo. Like, but obviously, for you know, most people they don't know what Zhongguo means, so it just sounds like, oh, that's a that's a cool Chinese name, right? But it literally trans. It's like, you know, if we were in China and we made a restaurant called like Canadian Restaurant, <laughs> <laughs> but like no one knew what the fuck Canadian was in English. But anyway, so uh, so I went there, and I go like, Ni hao, and I start talking to the guy. I'm like, uh. uh which is like, what's your name? And he was just like, what the fuck? You're speaking in Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what's I, uh, what's I, Rico? And he's like, oh shit, like what? <laughs> he's like <laughs> he's a black like, man speaking Chinese. Like, it's like a fucking ghost. Yeah, it was, it was just, a, it was a mind fuck. And I told him, like, what's um, I, Guangzhou, which means I live in Guangzhou. And then they were like, what the fuck? <laughs> he points to his friend. He's like, he lives in Guangzhou. And his friend, Guangzhou! Oh! <laughs> I'm like, oh, shock. But uh, the point that I was making is that most of the most of the Chinese people here are not from those cities. They're from the smaller cities. But you won't find too many Chinese people in Africa or in... Well, specifically in Africa. You won't find too many Chinese people in Africa from the major cities. You find them from the smaller surrounding cities and stuff. Yeah, and I actually saw in the airport when I was um, heading from Vancouver to Hong Kong, um, I was gonna be like, "Well, man, if I want to visit Mocha in uh, Guangzhou, then I have to get I have to pay for a visa." But uh, Guangzhou has free three day visas, even though three days isn't that long. But I was just noticing that, which is pretty cool. Oh yeah, if you want to pop over for a weekend. And, you know, yeah, for a long weekend or something like that. But the visa itself is not—it's not expensive. It just—they—they they have a few requirements and stuff. Like, you could probably get—you could probably easily get like a two-week tourist visa. I think it costs like forty dollars, even less than. So it wouldn't be too bad. Mm. <clears throat> but yeah, it's been—it's been fascinating because before I left, before I left Zambia. Um, like six years ago when I left, I was I was ready to get the fuck out of this place, and I really just I I felt like I had outgrown the 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 country, and I obviously lived in the states before, and I traveled a lot, so my mind was more so like I want to live in a developed country, I don't want to live in a developing country, but it's been interesting the shift that I've had from coming back here right now, just seeing oh hey you know like my you know, my data plan on my phone over here works perfectly and like I can communicate on Skype or WeChat without having to be connected to the internet, to the to a Wi Fi connection. I mean I, I can communicate on my phone on, on Skype or WeChat or WhatsApp without a problem, browse the internet and you know, everything's everything's gravy. And then at home, you know, 
I was worried about my Wi-Fi connection. I was worried that it was going to be slow. And I basically, like my dad, is he's an ISP. He has a, an ISP company. And he set up the most basic... Uh, he set up the most basic broadband at my house. And it's it's pretty fucking fast. Like, I'm really surprised at how quick it is. You know, I really haven't had too many issues streaming things or, you know, downloading anything. And, and these are major uh, these were major pet peeves for me before where just simple stuff like if i wanted to download a tv show if i wanted to download a song that would take hours or like sometimes even a fucking day like i just leave my laptop downloading something and and now no it's gonna take like if i want to download a tv show depending on what time of day it is if it's at night it would take like three four minutes which is pretty normal i guess five minutes if it's during the day, it might take half an hour. So I'm like, I'm, I'm really, I'm impressed by those things. And I'm impressed by the abundance of um, things that I can do, the abundance of restaurants and lounges that are Western, of Western uh, standards, you know, in that, in, that, in that sense. The only thing that I've, <laughs> the only thing that I've come to notice about the bars and the lounges and stuff, which is very typical for Zambia is that, I always say Zambia is on island time, which, like anyone knows island time, it just means people are fucking slow. Like, they don't say they're never in a rush to do something. So when I go to restaurants, I literally waited 30 minutes for my bill. Like, the last time I went to a restaurant, I I waited half an hour for my bill, just the bill. Before that, I waited, like, 20 minutes for, like, a drink. Like, it was ridiculous. I had to literally go and like find my waitress and be like, "Hey, uh, you know, I finished my drink 15 minutes ago. I would like another drink." Or when it came to the bill, I had to physically find her and say, "I want to pay," and then I had to wait 30 minutes. So the the, the service, the customer service aspect here is, is still something they need to work on. But I think that's one of those things that it's just going to take time. It's going to take time for them, like well, now that they have the you know Western standards in terms of the actual lounges and restaurants and stuff. It's going to take a while for them to actually develop the the, the customer service angle, which is literally that's just the, that's the management. The management has to educate the staff because a lot of the staff are uneducated. They are from maybe some of the rural areas in the city or they're from outside the city and they might be in university, they might not be, and they need to be educated on how, like if I ask somebody uh, how something is cooked, they should be able to describe to me, you know, the ingredients and, and somewhat what, if I've never had it before, what does it taste like? These are these kind of things. So I was like, I was asking them questions like that and they just are completely lost. Or like even something like shisha, I ordered shisha and um, if anyone anyone that smokes shisha on a regular basis knows that uh, you can get shisha, you can put ice in like the extension on the the nozzle that you that you suck the that you suck the air out of. Gomo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can put ice in it, so it kind of makes the flavor smoother. It's, it can, yeah, it makes this flavor more smooth and it makes it smoother. So I was asking them, hey, do you guys have the ice thing? And I, I honestly didn't expect them to have it, but I was explaining to the lady and she just like looked at me like I was fucking insane. She was like, what the fuck are you talking about? You want to put ice in the shisha? Like, <laughs> I was like, no, no, it's not that. Then I had to explain 
you know, I, I, even like I ordered a beer and uh, I asked them if they had anything on tap, which is very standard, right? That's a standard question. And she was like, on tap? Like, I had to like literally explain you know, with hand motions, like with sign language, <laughs> what a tap was and pretend like I'm pouring a beer and then and she's like, oh, oh no, we don't have that here. But that's that's just one of those things. It's like they need to teach them those kind of sayings because if they're going to deal with foreign people coming over and going to these restaurants, if I'm, if I'm coming from America and I've never been to Zambia, if I'm coming from Canada, I've never been to Zambia and I say I want something on tap, then, you know, this is an English-speaking country. They should know what that means but that's that's just going to take time yeah it sounds like it's expanded like uh really fast and now it's kind of just trying to catch up but i guess you're kind of floored by by how much it's changed in such a short time yeah you know it's 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 cool man like overall i'm happy i'm happy with the development overall like the, the, the stuff that i'm complaining about the stuff that i will complain about is small in comparison to the amount of development going on. And it's I look at the development as, as very positive. And um, I think, you know, uh, in, in about 10 to 15 years, you know, this place, uh, specifically Lusaka, will look just like any other metropolitan city in any other country in the world. Um, what was, what was another thing I was going to say? It's similar in terms of the customer service. It's similar to China, because if you not not Hong Kong, because Hong Kong has been a has been an international city for many years, you know, decades. But Guangzhou and maybe not as much Shanghai, but Guangzhou, even uh, Beijing, Shanghai are not as bad, but they're they're similar. Guangzhou, Shenzhen, Foshan, these places. These are cities that are relatively new in terms of their development, and they have the same issues that I'm talking about, except the staff is rude. The Chinese mm-hmm. staffers, the, the, the restaurant staff is rude. Not just to foreign people, but to Chinese people. They're, they're fucking rude. It's it's hilarious, man. First, When I first got there, I thought it was me. I thought it was like, oh, you know, it's because I don't speak the language or whatever. But now that I've been hanging out and going to restaurants with locals, and the locals complain about these guys. Then I'm like, okay, yeah, this this something has to change. But I think that again, that's just that rapid development. You know, so the the, the infrastructure in the country has developed rapidly, but the culture has not uh, caught up with the infrastructure. Right. Um, so let me ask you a random question: Seeing the development that you have in Zambia, would you ever consider going back there to live for an extended period of time, or are you just like, no, nah, it's not worth it? I almost, almost, I almost answered that question when I was talking about in 15 years this place would be not that different from any other metropolitan city. But I, I sidestepped it. I didn't want to answer. It. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. It's a, it's a difficult question for me. It's it's very difficult because I again I've only been here for seven, just over about ten days. So that that's another thing is like I don't know what it would be like if I lived here for three months. If I was here for three months or four months or six months, would I would I then go, okay, fuck, I got used to the infrastructure. This place is still not a place that I could live in. So I, I don't I don't have a definitive answer for that. But I, I could see myself spending, you know, a couple of months here 
and uh, before that's that's a stretch for me. Before I would always say I wouldn't want to spend more than a month here, but I could see myself spending like now I could see myself spending three four months here. Um, a year six months uh, it's pushing it. Maybe maybe in the maybe in the future maybe in five ten years I'd have to just come back periodically and and check on this place. Mm-hmm. But like. the thing is like. Um, when I think about places that I want to live, you know, Toronto is still it's still up there for me. So Toronto summers in, in in Canada is still there. It's still what I love, and it's still where my mind is. So uh, you can't really divide that much time. Like if you're going to spend four months out of the year in one country, you know, you only have a certain amount of time to be in other places. And at this moment in time, I'm going to spend most of the year in China. And then my summers somewhere else. So I don't even know if I have that much time to come to Zambia that often. I'll come to Zambia for like two weeks at a time. Yeah, not to mention like traveling around is just exhausting. Um, for me, again, yeah. I spend a lot of this year moving around Toronto, which is just annoying as hell because I've moved like nine or ten times in half a year. Um, but if you really want to experience a place, there's no point in moving around tons and tons and tons and um, you have, well, everyone's different, right? Like I always give the example that Mark Manson used to move around, I think every week or two to a different country and now he's slowed down. But I know I'm the type of person who'd prefer to be in a country for like three to six months and sit there and explore it and have a nice routine where I'm actually doing stuff and making relationships. And then I'd be like, okay, you know what? I've, I've had my fun here. I like it here, but I would like to move on and then just move on. Yeah, because even another another aspect is I'm here right now, and you know, like I met a girl on the plane, um, and then I had like this chick from high school who's been messaging me, so I'm supposed to have a date with her today. But I was having a conversation with one of my best friends, and we were talking about girls, and he listens to the podcast, so he knows like our perspective on girls and stuff. And he was telling me he disagrees in terms of in Zambia, he disagrees on how you should approach. Uh, girls here and he was basically saying like you need to be more affectionate to girls you need to be more like you have to tell them they're pretty you have to tell them they're beautiful you know just like sort of the cheesy uh, cheesy compliments that girls in North America don't really appreciate anymore so I was like wow like really you you honestly believe that and he's like yeah and he does he does pretty does pretty well for himself when he wants to meet girls so I'm thinking that's fascinating to me. Like I, I was thinking, that's another one of those things I would need to be here for a while to sort of fully understand that culture. Of like, how do if I meet a girl at a bar, this is, and she doesn't know me, would I go up and be my usual cocky self, or do I have to go up and be like nice guy? You know, <laughs> you know, like you have to go up and be that dude, nice funny guy. That seems to be what my friend was saying. You have to be like funny and then nice as opposed to cocky funny mm-hmm. which you know that those are those are things that I'm, I'm like you like I want to spend a, 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 a certain amount of time a longer period of time in a country just to sort of absorb the culture and, and fully understand and adapt to it so yeah, yeah. it's fascinating stuff yeah maybe I'll actually use that as a segue okay. into uh, into Hong Kong because I actually have a lot to say on that. Unless, uh, were you about to say something? 
No, I was, I was going to, I was going to segue. Oh, okay. Yeah, because um, I'm uh, so I'm on my way to Vietnam to Ho Chi Minh City to actually live there for at least three months. But I, uh, I flew from Ottawa to Vancouver. I spent a week in Vancouver, and then uh, I'm in Hong Kong for four days. And I had like a huge, huge culture shock. Not to mention, I came off the plane, thirteen-hour flight. It was five or six a.m. my local time, nine p.m. Hong Kong time. So I was just exhausted, and I just wanted to get to my room and and sleep. And the first thing I noticed in my room is I did a Europe backpacking trip. If you listen to an older podcast about Barcelona, I'm traveling, go check it out. Maybe you know what I'm talking about, but. Um, Wait, wait, I was gonna. I was going to ask you just interject before mm. you talk about that. What time, you got to Hong Kong? It was nighttime, right? You, it was. It was uh, evening. So I got there. It was like five p.m. Five thirty p.m. Oh, okay. So it was still. It was still somewhat light outside. Somewhat, yeah. Did you take? A, did you take a bus or did you take a train or a cab to the airport? Um, I took a bus and a subway. All right, so the bus, right? Yeah. Did you see the the way the mountains and the ocean are intertwined? No, because at that you point did, it was like it was like dark. Oh, okay, that sucks. Because yeah, that's one of my favorite things about coming into Hong Kong is that view. Uh, maybe you'll get to see it when you're leaving. Yeah, but well, because I have to go during the, ocean, the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll definitely see it when you're on your way to the airport. Like, it's the mountains and the ocean intertwined. Then you can see the city coming up. It's fucking gorgeous. Um, the second question I was I was going to ask about first impressions was when you got to your area, you know, Chongqing Mansion. What did you think? Oh <laughs> my god! Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was interesting because <laughs> one, there's so many. Even like, okay, well, it wasn't that like 8 p.m. It was so fu- uh, like so fucking crowded. But uh, again, I've been told by Mocha yeah. that it's you know the touristy area. So um, my, I have to admit, like my my views of Hong Kong are a bit skewed because I've only been mainly in one area. So I want to go explore more. Even though I know I'm not going to have that much time, mm-hmm. and I'm going to have to come back here. But um, it's really hectic. There's a lot, lots of lights, and uh, uh, unfortunately, as a white guy, um, the, people know you're pretty much a tourist. So you have all these Indian guys coming up to you who stand on the sides of the roads and try and either sell you tailoring or watches or try and get you into a guest house. It doesn't. It doesn't even matter if you're white or black. It just they look at the way you're dressed, and they look at if you're carrying a bag. Because it was the same thing. It was the same thing for me when I first got there. It was just like, and it's always like that. I've been to Hong Kong now four or five times, and ever since I got to an age where I kind of looked like I might have money, mm. <laughs> <laughs> it just—it's the same thing. Taylor, Taylor, you want to Taylor? Yeah, hey, yeah. Boss, come here, Taylor, no. Taylor. You know what I learned? Though? Okay, the first South time, Taylor. The first time I started talking to them, I was Sim just card. like, I was telling them like, no, no, thank you, no, no, no. And then I started getting pissed because I'm t- fucking tired, I'm exhausted, and I just want to get to my hotel room. And I would just be like, no, go away. And they'd keep following me, they keep talking to me. So what I started doing was either A, flat out ignoring them, which worked pretty well. B, I would put in headphones even though I wasn't listening to anything. And they just, they'd probably usually just not, you know, talk to me. Still, you'd have like really aggressive guys who try to like actually either like touch you or get in front of you. Um, I'm not gonna lie, yesterday, 
I just wanted to fuck around, and I just gave one a death glare, just because, and he stepped back so fast, it was fucking hilarious. I just did it for my own amusement, but yeah, <laughs> it's pretty interesting. But um, the other, again, like, first impression, my room is fucking tiny. Like, I have a bed in here, and I have one person width to walk around the bed in a tiny, tiny bathroom, and that's it. It's, it's incredibly cramped. And, um, like I went yeah, to, to like yeah, I went to someone's apartment even, and that was cramped too. So yeah, pretty tiny. Um, but also another impression I had, like I heard obviously China and uh, Southeast Asia in general is polluted, but yeah, there's a lot of smog here and, uh, coming from Vancouver where the air is just, there's something about it. It's really, uh. I don't know how you describe it. It's like cottage air. It's like really fresh and clean. It smells like nature, which is funny because it's known for so much weed and stuff. But anyways, um, you can visibly see... If it ain't green, it ain't clean. Yeah. If you, you see like just not very high up, you can see the smog clouds just kind of forming in Hong Kong, which kind of sucks, but uh, it is what it is. Um, but I've just been enjoying, you know, I, I'm going to restaurants all the time cause I just, I don't have patience to get groceries and it's, it's kind of weird because I know if I would be here for a while and what I'm definitely doing in Ho Chi Minh is I'm trying to meet people, both, um, locals and expats because you can feel very lonely, very fast because you're so different from everyone else. It's, it's kind of, it's, it's a bit weird, but it's cool. Um, but another thing actually that was pretty awesome is, um, what I did in Europe was I learned a few words in the language each place I went, so I'd be treated better and also just could, uh, have basic conversations, but Mandarin is fucking tough as hell. So even, in, even though in, I... In, in Hong Kong, in Hong Kong, they speak, they speak Cantonese. Yeah. Okay. So Cantonese, but like the, um, well, either way, like it's, it's fucking hard to, to do that. And... What I saw is that, and I'm actually very impressed with this, most people here actually speak uh, reasonable English, like most service people. Um, it's not perfect, obviously, but, you know, it's pretty good. Well, the thing, Hong Kong is a unique place in, in that sense, because obviously it used to be a British colony. Mm -hmm. um, they speak Cantonese, but they'd actually, most people prefer to speak English in Hong Kong. Really? You know, most people pre prefer to speak, yeah, because they... They almost feel like they're not Chinese. They feel like they're a Western country. Yeah. You know? So they, they most most Hong Kong Hong Kong people they prefer to if they if they know how to speak Chinese, English they prefer to speak English and they prefer Western culture they prefer that. So you don't even have to worry about learning any Cantonese. All you need to know is Lehao. That's it. <laughs> which yeah. is just it's the same as Nihal it's just a hi yeah yeah you'll be fine yeah because like um, the other thing that's been cool is now okay well one I have an Asian fetish with women but I see tons of Asian women and then like tons of Asian people obviously and then like I'll see like one or two white people here and there and then you know a few Indian people obviously and I'm just like oh my god what what's going on so you're definitely seen as um, 
as something foreign, and it's funny because um, as, as a minority. Yeah, and it's funny because when I was walking around at night yesterday, now you know how I feel, motherfucker. <laughs> so when I was walking around at night yesterday, um, I saw two girls who were they were white and they're and they're a bit dressed up. I guess they're going clubbing or something. But like they gave me the eyes, the the high fucked me eyes, and I was just like, oh, I see, because it's like you mentioned, you know. Um, when you're, so, you're somewhere where you're so foreign and you just want something that's more close to home, quote unquote, um, it's kind of like, it's like a delicacy when you see it. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, um, on, on, for both parts, on both sides, right? Like for my perspective, feminists would disagree. And I actually had an argument with a chick in, not an argument, but I did sort of a debate with a girl when I was in Guangzhou. And I, my, my theory is that it's way more difficult for women to go to a place like China or Hong Kong, foreign women, um, and specifically non-Asian, of non-Asian descent. Why? Because of the nature of the place. Like Hong Kong is a little bit more, it's, Western, it's westernized. So culturally, it's not that difficult to adjust to. But China is significant. It's just it's a completely alien culture, right? And China is still uh, still very much a patriarchy, to use feminist lingo. Mm-hmm. But like it's still very much a male-dominated culture in China. Like you know, male men are just expected to make more women more money than women, and, and men are supposed to be you know the, the breadwinners and the dominant guys and the aggressors in in the culture, right? So. Women, when they go there, a lot uh, of wait, times wait, 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 wait. Men are supposed to be the aggressors. What? Like, <laughs> I don't think that happens in China. Correct me if I'm wrong. It does. It does. It does. Not in talk. And I'm not talking about in terms of relationships. I'm talking about just general, you know, business. Oh, because um, I was gonna like say from what country. from what you tell me, like Chinese guys are not, uh, yeah, that aggressive. No, no, I'm not, I'm not talking about necessarily relationship ways. I'm talking in terms of romantic relationships. I'm talking about business and, you know, anything else, education and, and such things. Men tend to be the aggressors in China. It's expected mm-hmm. of the men to be making more money, to be stronger, to be all, all these things, right? Um, where was I going with this? Oh, so my theory is that it's more difficult for foreign girls to adapt to, to, to Chinese culture and uh, therefore... Uh, the other thing as well is, is they're also not attracted to Chinese men for the most part. For the most part, most foreign women are not attracted to to the Chinese men. I'm sorry to the Asian dudes out there, but it's just the reality of the situation. Like I speak to a lot of these girls and ask them almost almost every single time. It's one of the earliest questions I ask these chicks. Like, are you attracted to, to Chinese guys? And they're like, mm. Uh, they almost don't want to tell me, yeah. <laughs> but they're like, yeah, honestly, no. It's like one in a uh, hundred Chinese guys they'll meet that they're actually attracted to. So, yeah, so there's that aspect. It's like it's difficult for them to find people that they're attracted to, and then secondly, it's it's a much more uh, it's a much more uh, patriarchal uh, patri- patriarchal society. Yeah. So the, the women there could be treated as second class citizens. So yeah. that, that's why a lot of times when a foreign guy meets a foreign girl, then, you know, the girl is, like, really happy to see a foreign guy and really wants to connect with the foreign guy. One more thing before I, I leave that point. Another thing is, like, a lot of guys who go to Southeast Asia, they're not there to meet foreign chicks. 
you know, they're there to eat Asian, meet Asian girls. So the foreign chicks almost, again, become like, <laughs> like a third-class citizen in that aspect is that they're even second-class to, uh, to the local women. You know, so the, a lot of those chicks are like super happy to meet foreign guys when they're there. Yeah, I was going to say it's, well, okay, thinking into other points, um, I definitely need to come back here for a longer period of time because, well, unfortunately, Hong Kong is very expensive. Um, but for anyone who's worried about coming here, like Mocha said, it's very westernized, and I'm happy because there's a lot of English around, so you'll be fine. Um, but I want to come back here to explore a lot more of the city, and I've gotten to the point where I'm like, you know what, I have as much time as I have, and uh, and uh, also coming off from being sick, you know, I'm not running around too much. But um, one thing I wanted to try was I was wondering how Tinder works here, and I was also wondering how day game works here, because... In, you know, Canada and the U.S., it's pretty easy to go up to a girl on the street and direct approach and say, like, you're cute and all that, and you'll have a chance of getting a number, and I've approached Fabi, you know, girls who are originally from China, Japan, South Korea, etc., in Canada on the street and gone up to them, but, you know, they've been in Canada for a while, so it hasn't been that bad, but I was wondering how that would work in, you know, Southeast Asia and specifically in Hong Kong. I guess because Hong Kong is westernized, it might not be that bad, but I have to try it out and see. But again, I was just fucking around on Tinder because I was wondering if it would be an easy way to meet, you know, um, Asian women or, I guess, foreign girls too who wanted to meet, you know, white guys. And it ended up being that I uh, pretty much got invited to some chick's apartment directly and my alcohol bought for me and then we banged. And I'll have to admit, she was a bit of a fatty, which I talked to Mocha about. But uh, it is what it is. What can I say? First day of Hong Kong, get that Filipino flag. Yeah, that's what I said. I'd look at it from that perspective. It's like your first day in Hong Kong and you got laid. So <laughs> there's not really that many negatives. You know, tell me that the chick was a fatty. So, yeah, that's <laughs> what it is, man. And you didn't have to work. You didn't have to work for it at all. Yeah, no, it was pretty much just just show up and do it. But I am actually really excited to meet, um, like, women in Vietnam and just, you know, the women here in general. I'm like, because in Tinder, I do see white girls and I'm getting matched with them. But honestly, like, I, well, I'm obviously impartial to Asian girls, but I just, it's not what I want right now. I probably will start favoring them in a few months when I'm, I'm, been dating so many Asian, well, you know what, I already date so many Asian women, I don't favor white girls, so I don't know if I can t- comment on that, but uh, I am pretty, oh, yeah, pretty yeah, excited. Look at it like this, man. Hmm? Look at it like this. When I was in Toronto, I barely ate McDonald's. Once I got to Guangzhou, I ate McDonald's twice a week for like the first three months that I was there. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been specifically avoiding, <laughs> so well, I okay, I hate McDonald's food. and KFC and all that crap. I've been specifically avoiding it here. That's, that that's that's my point, right? Like it's like once you get there and there's a huge culture shock, and then you kind of go, "Fuck, I need something familiar," because yeah, like you go to a restaurant, like a typical Chinese restaurant, and you have no idea what the fuck is going on in the menu. There's no English menu. No one speaks English. You're like, "Fuck this! I'm going to McDonald's." <laughs> yeah, I guess it's different in Hong Kong because all the menus are usually part uh, Cantonese and then part English, right? So there's English translation on everything. Yeah. Yeah, Hong Kong is different. Like, Hong Kong, you can walk into any restaurant and you'll find, like, you know, 
fucking sausage and chips. No homo. Yeah. But, <laughs> like, you can, you, know, you can walk into many restaurants and you can find uh, an English menu and you can find Western food, you can find Chinese food if you feel like Chinese food in that moment. But you know what you're ordering. The difference is, in a place like Guangzhou, if you, even if you want to eat Chinese food, which I did, I didn't know what the fuck I was ordering. So... You know, then you just kind of default to the the closest thing. That's, yeah. So you like, find you thing. you look at some kind of writing there, and you're just like, I'll have this, and they bring you out elephant penis or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, elephant penis or dog penis. Yeah. Delicacy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, we're we're I think we're a bit past the half hour mark, so we should probably wrap up. But uh, on my end, I, I just. Like, I'm really excited to be here. Like, there's a lot of stress and uh, kind of anxiety leading up to it. Um, but I'm really excited to kind of... Now, like, I was talking to Mocha a week and a half ago, and I was just in a stressed-out state. But now I'm just, like, really excited to get to Vietnam, get an apartment, find a part-time job, and keep grinding on uh, on the stuff that I'm doing other than, you know, the podcast and all that. I'm just... I'm really excited. I'm happy to be here and grateful for the opportunity. Alright, sweet. But when's your flight? Friday? Yeah, it's, so it's in two days from now. Alright, is it in the morning, afternoon? It's uh, afternoon, but it's only a two and a half hour flight. Vietnam is pretty close. Okay, so my recommendation, doctor's, doctor's orders. Hmm. If you're staying in tonight, then tomorrow I'd recommend you start off with... Uh, I'd recommend you... you uh, contact my Russian friend and start off with some drinks in the area. I get like, cause you know, you can drink in public in Hong Kong, right? So you can just go to the seven elevens and, and get beers or whatever you want to get and have a few drinks there. Then go to the IFC tower, <clears throat> go to the IFC tower, have one or two drinks there. It's super expensive. So you probably only want to have one drink and then just taking the view and taking that and then go to Lan Kwai Fong, Lan Kwai Fong, uh, my Russian friend will know the place perfectly, and there's a ton of clubs there, just so you can or bars and stuff, so you can just go there and walk around. And that's a Thursday night; it's going to be super busy. So that would be my recommendation for the the evening. Um, during the day, if you feel like it, you can go to the peak, which is you know, like I told you before, it's a tram that goes to the top of one of the mountains, and you can look at Hong Kong. I think you can have food at the top and stuff like that. Um, and uh, there's like there's a ton of places like there's an electronics market if you remind me I could probably ask one of my friends and I can recommend a few places as well if you want to go to like the business areas I don't yeah. know too much about the tourist areas well no honestly for me probably part of the day part of the day I'll probably be working and then uh, I'm gonna come back here so I'm not too worried about doing all the touristy stuff but like I also want to do kind of the skyline walk you know the like the uh, fuck what's it called it's near like the, the, the star boardwalk where you see like the kind of the skyline and then like I wanted to go to the IFC Tower as well. Um mm. I'm not not Yeah, well, IFC Tower for me is a must. Yeah. What do, what do I'm, I'm not even sure if I'm gonna go out like for clubbing. We'll see how I feel, but because uh, I'm not really too worried again, you I'll be back to touch, to you need to touch the city, man. Just <laughs> touch the city, it's Hong Kong. <laughs> you, have to, you have to touch the city, you have to get out there. Because, like, I, when I went clubbing in Hong Kong, I didn't even go, I didn't have, like, a crew or anything like that. It wasn't even a crazy night. It was, like, um, 
it was a crazy night, but it was not like an ideal night. I think I went on a Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. But that land my phone area was just sweet just to be there and just be like, Oh, I'm in Hong Kong and oh this is this is the clubbing district in Hong Kong and then just meeting people from around the world. I met a ton of French people. Um it seems to be the common theme is like you mean in in, Ch- in China if you meet foreigners they're mainly either Russian, French, or American. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and, and British, but like French and Russian seem to be the seem to be the dominant uh, expats over there. So, but anyways, my point is just like it's nice. Like I'm not saying that you should go and go crazy or anything like that. I think you just enjoy the environment of just having. Oh, I was in Lan Kwai Fang and I saw this place. I saw that place. Even if you're not there for three, four hours, just go there and just enjoy, just enjoy your time there. But IFC Tower for sure is a must. Yeah, no, I. If you go to IFC Tower, they'll be they'll be playing Deep House, and you'll be like, you'll be, you'll get into the mood, and you'd be like, fuck, I need to I need to go check out Lan Kwai Fang. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm definitely going to IFC Tower, so I guess I'll go after. But uh, yeah, no, again, I'm just I'm just really really happy to be here. It's it's a big culture shock, and I'm sure Vietnam is going to be even more of a culture shock, and also it's going to be balls hot like it's 20 degrees in hong kong and uh the day i'm going to vietnam my hotel sent me a weather report it's supposed to be like 32 um yeah in february or end of february i guess but yeah we'll see um yeah but do you have uh do you have any final thoughts on zambia like is there anything you want well i guess you were saying you kind of want the I don't know what you want to call it, the people who are in the service industry to catch up in terms of education, but is there anything else you really want to see happen with Zambia? Um, I want I want the general service to improve. Um, uh, I also, in terms of infrastructure, in terms of infrastructure, one of the things I, I noticed that hasn't changed about this place is while the roads are, you know, the roads are improving, the malls are improving, I know this stuff, they still don't have... Um, proper, this is, sounds like really small, but actually the, I just thought of something bigger, but they still don't have proper sidewalks. And for somebody coming from a foreign country, when you think about, you know, sidewalks, you, you just take it for granted because they've always been around. But if you're walking around, you know, in your neighborhood and there's like, there's a road, there's some grass and then there's dirt on the side, you can't walk on the grass because it's like wet and it's muddy. You have to end up walking on the dirt, which makes you, in turn, makes your shoes dirty. It makes all these things dirty. It makes the road dirty as well. And it seems minuscule, but it does have that effect of you looking at a place and being like, this place isn't developed. So the, I think that's one of those things that they need to get down. Um, the, 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 the major point, which I can't believe I, compl- I forgot about, this has not changed. And this is probably my main criticism, even of my best friends here, is people still text and drive, and people drive drunk. It's just it's so common. It's not even it's not even something that people debate. Like if you're going out on the weekend, you're going to drive to a nightclub or to a bar or whatever. You're going to drink, drive to another venue, drink some more, drive to another venue, and get wasted, and then drive home. You know, so it's like. It's that's it's really bad, and every weekend somebody dies from you know a drunk driving accident, and yet people don't people don't really take it in, and people don't really change. And then the texting and driving thing as well, it's like it's it's kind of enforced, but not really. I don't think 
or taking it that seriously. So those would be my main criticisms of his place right now. But yeah, so once those kind of things change, um, if you want to know why people still drink and drive, it's mainly because of the public transport. So it's a deeper issue as well because the public transport is unreliable and there's no metro it's not organized. No one, no one who has a car wants to take public transport. No one wants to take a taxi because, again, the taxi sometimes is unreliable, and you have to negotiate every time. There's not that many. There's not that many metered taxis. So those are those are things that, that are in terms of infrastructure and development, that could change to just make this place even better. And uh, hopefully, those things change in the next couple of years. And uh, when those things get down, I'd be more likely to want to spend the extended extended periods of time here mm-hmm. but uh yeah that's it all right Great bitches yeah we should uh, wrap this up thanks for listening yeah you, you you brought us in so take us out no 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 i learned from the last time i tried to wrap this up that uh i don't do well at this thing <laughs> so i'm gonna let you i've started you can finish uh-huh <laughs> So thanks for listening, guys. I uh, hope you enjoyed the episode. hope it was informative. Uh, we should be coming back with a couple episodes. I should be. I should have an update on my parents' uh, family situation, and I'm hoping to record at least three or four episodes while I'm down here. Anyway, so if you want to, you should follow us on Twitter, red at, at redpillgen, that's G-E-N. If you have any requests for shows, any more information about the podcast, you can email us at redpill or redpillgen, again, G-E-N, at gmail.com. And uh, what else? We have Facebook as well, you know, uh, Red Pill Generation on Facebook. Uh, you can go to the website as well, uh, www.redpillgen.com. And uh, yeah, that's it. Cheers. Yeah, and uh, this is uh, like a more important note for the future. So right now, obviously, Mocha's in Zambia and I'm in Hong Kong. Uh, but eventually, you know, Mocha's going to go back to Guangzhou and I'll be in Ho Chi Minh City. And we'd be having, we've been having issues with timing and software and trying to get everything organized. But now that uh, both of us are in Asia, so our time difference isn't that bad. Uh, you can probably expect a lot more regular episodes to be happening in the near future. <laughs> Alright, thanks for listening, guys. See you later. Come on, come on,